So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for another episode of Detention Live. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And then joining us tonight is a special guest co-host. His name is Liam. He runs a streaming channel called A Geek of One's Own. He was a nice enough chap to have Chris and I on recently to stream a session of Action 12 Cinema. More on that later. But Liam was a great guy. We're like, you know what? We like this dude. Let's have him on detention. So we brought him in. So Liam, welcome to the show and say hello to everyone. Thanks. Hello, everyone. So uh, give us the quick rundown. What is your channel? When do you stream? What do you stream? If people are interested, where do they go? All the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so name's Liam, and I run a channel called A Geek of One's Own, where I stream every Saturday. Uh, that's Australia time in the morning. So most of you folks in the States, that'd be Friday evening. And I run things related to TTRPGs, the indie kind, the Kickstarter kind, the kind that isn't going to drain all of your money and then try to take some more. Um, every now and again, I do some video games because that's easier to set up. And when I feel tired, it's easier to do. But yeah, join me for TTRPG goodness. Excellent. And then I assume you have a YouTube page where things get sent over after a while. Do you have that set up as well? Yes. Uh, <laughs> he says reluctantly. It, it, it's set up. It currently has nothing on it because uh, editing is just the bane of my existence. Um, and I'm still learning the ropes on that. And yeah, it'll get there eventually. Fantastic. And as always, when we get around to it, we'll do links in our show notes to make it easy for people to find uh, what Liam's working on. And again, you can currently watch Chris and I playing a game of Action 12 Cinema. Um, are you partnered with them or does your stuff fall off after like a week or so? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I'm not popular enough yet to be. Oh, neither are we. So don't partner. don't apologize. I just just double checking because if anybody is interested and wants to check things out, you've only got like six eight days before the videos fall. I do save them. They live on my computer up until I eventually get around to editing them. Uh, but yes, for now, limited limited amount of time. Fantastic. All right. Well, with that, we're going to jump into the show proper. Uh, the way we start things here, we do a segment we call extracurricular. And this is where we just talk, talk about things we've been up to recently, generally in like gaming spheres, maybe movies. We've been watching TV shows, books we're reading, you know, that kind of stuff. Really anything you feel like sharing with strangers on the Internet. Chris, going to start with you tonight, buddy. What you up to? Not a whole lot lately, which is kind of refreshing because mm -hmm. normally I'm super busy with stuff and uh, lately it's just been a lot of kind of relaxing sitting around uh, watching TV with my wife and maybe every now and then playing some Destiny 2 let me rephrase that poorly playing Destiny 2 because <laughs> I'm not good at first person shooters so if you like to play Destiny 2 and you want a sidekick that's probably only going to kill two or three things to your 20 or 30 I'm your guy Nice. Uh, but I, I nice. enjoy jumping in and just playing around and having fun with it uh, still watching, uh, so actually the new show we're watching is New Amsterdam. We're really liking mm -hmm. that one. Um, it's a good medical drama that always kind of ends on a positive note. So I kind of like that. It's a little more refreshing than all the dark, depressing stuff. Nice. So. All right. Well, as always, thank you for sharing. Uh, Liam, we'll go to you next. What have you been up to recently that you want to share with people? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
So since we're talking about happy shows, uh, on Netflix, there's a second season that's come out of Old Enough, uh, which is in Japanese, and it's all about uh, parents sending their very young child or children on an errand to collect a hat. Maybe dad forgot his hat, and so they got to send them wherever and some of the adventures they get onto is wild like sometimes they they have to walk like two kilometers uh however many however many miles that is uh to get to where the hat has been left but because they're kids it takes them like an hour and a half to Mm. to get there sometimes they sit down and they just kind of stare at the grass uh sometimes they have a mental breakdown uh and there's all these people that kind of follow them with cameras and stuff, but they're, they're like hidden cameras and like pet carriages and things like that. Uh, but it's very, very cute. The episodes are like 10 to 20 minutes mm. and it's just so wholesome. Uh, it's really great. Oh, Other nice. than that, uh, I've been reading uh, some Batman comics oh, cool. uh, in which uh, Batman's dead and Nightwing's taken over. Uh, and Nightwing's my favorite uh, character in the Bat family, so it's really nice to see him do the thing that he spent his life trying not to be doing. Um, so that that's been that's been quite fun. Uh, and otherwise, as of last night, I started playing um, Hogwarts Legacy. Okay, uh, which. So far, it doesn't suck, which is great because the last kind of AAA games that I've tried to play both really, really sucked. Mm. So I'm really hoping this one isn't too much of a disappointment either. Right. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, I, not surprisingly, am hot and heavy into Action 12 Cinema. Um, That's pretty much taken over my life recently. Everything I'm doing kind of seems to be revolving around that. Uh, I recorded two podcasts today that will go out on some streams to help promote. Been scheduling some additional streams that we're trying to get into, some additional interviews that we're hoping to do. You know, just trying to get that marketing push going. Uh, we're now roughly less than three weeks away, 20 weeks away, I think, um, from the launch date. And there's still a lot of moving pieces and parts to get everything finalized. I got some more art in today. Uh, I loved one of the three. I really liked one of the three. And the other one was good, but there was just something kind of off. I just It didn't land on me correctly. And I've been chatting with the artist, and he's kind of like, yeah, I agree, but I'm also not sure what it is. So we might go back and forth on that one a little bit before we finalize it. Um, I have a friend who is working on a video for it and just again lots of moving pieces and parts so if i don't say it again later action 12 cinema hitting kickstarter february 28th please go support it and support me um i think i don't know if i mentioned this before but i was reading the revival by stephen king and Mm -hmm. i finished that was very good I had I, I listened to some Stephen King centric podcasts and they had recommended it multiple times and so kind of through osmosis of that podcast I had kind of got a good idea of sort of what the story was and I kind of been spoiled a little bit on what the ending was even knowing that it was great it was absolutely one of the better Stephen King books I love Stephen King but this was one that I thought just landed, nailed the ending. It was very good. Just, oh, it hits you so hard. So highly recommend that. 
And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to listen to next. I, I listen to these as audiobooks that rather than reading or I just when I'm doing mm-hmm. other things. Um, so I uh, decided to go back and re-listen or I guess reread, however you want to say it, the Heir of the Empire trilogy for Star Wars, the uh, Timothy Zahn books that came out that for a long time people had thought and hoped would it be what officially became movie six, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, whatever, you know. Seven, eight, nine, uh, the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn and all of that. And uh, the version I got is in like a 20th uh, anniversary edition. So it's not a full cast reading, but they have different people doing different voices. So when they read Yoda, it's someone who's doing a pretty good impersonation of Yoda. You know, uh, we've got pretty good impersonation of Admiral Akbar. <laughs> not a huge fan of the Han voice. Like it's clear they're trying to do a Harrison Ford Harrison Ford voice but it's just not landing right yeah. but uh it's very enjoyable i've read those books when they first came out i absolutely loved them and uh it's really nice to kind of get back into that world a little bit so that's a bit and then probably the last thing i would say is i watched uh, several episodes of lockwood and co it's a, a new show on netflix it's based on a series of books by jonathan stroud um i had read his the amulet of scarned trilogy i'm sure i'm saying that terribly but um i was really impressed with those books they're ya novels i'm you know definitely not the target audience but i really liked them uh it's like saramanders the amulet of saramander something uh, if you're if you know you know the first one is really really good the second one isn't great but then it leads into the third one which was amazing and again it landed that trilogy series really hard uh very emotional so i i kind of knew the author of the the stories going in. And it's essentially about a world where ghosts are just real. Something happened roughly 50 years ago. They called it, I can't remember what they called it in the show, but basically just ghosts started showing up. And the only people who can really interact with them are kids. Like once you hit 18, you kind of lose the ability to like see them. So they, you live in a world where kids are basically trained as soldiers in these organizations called companies that are hired to try to fight ghosts and it's a very deadly world so lots of kids are dying in the process of trying to fight these ghosts um our main character so far is a young woman who has very powerful senses that are letting her interact with these ghosts on a level that other characters can't Uh, her best friend goes through a tragedy and the person who was running that company kind of lies and blames her for it. I'm, I'm spoiling the pilot episode a little bit. So she ends up basically running away, and then she gets involved in this new company that's being ran by a child, technically. Uh, there's a little bit of like, is it truly a legal entity called Lockwood & Co.? And she gets involved with that organization, and they start to uncover maybe some actual truth about where the ghosts came from. Uh, the first three or four episodes, really good, really compelling. My wife really liked it as well, which we don't always agree on shows. Uh, and then I'll just say The Last of Us continues to be amazing television. As someone who's not played the game at all, I'm loving the show. It's fantastic. Nice. Very yeah, nice. I saw that one. I was curious about it. Yeah, I definitely would say it's worth checking out. If you like the pilot, it it continues along that. Again, there's a little bit of a mystery built in of what exactly is going on. And I think the actor or the characters are very compelling and they're fun. So it's, I'm definitely going to end up finishing it. It's just uh, really, really busy right now. 
All right. So we've had a couple people jump in. No one's jumped into chat yet, but I can see the numbers on my screen that we do have a few people at least checking in out the, the stream as we go. If you're here and you want to say hello, we absolutely love interacting with people on chat, but lurkers are always welcome. You don't have to feel like you need to, to chat. Uh, near the end of the show, we do an audience Q&A. So if you do want to throw a question for one or more of us, you feel free to do that anytime. We'll try to circle back to it. Uh, but for now, we're going to move on. We're going to do our first improv game. And this is a game called 10 Things. And what's going to happen is we're going to take turns prompting each other in turn to try to come up with a list that that fits the prompt as quickly as possible. So the idea of the game is immediacy is more important than accuracy. So a list that you can generate rather rapidly is better in terms of the game than a list that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, Liam, you're the guest tonight, so you always get to choose. Do you want to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I? Or would you like to go first in terms of being prompted to give a list? Uh, come at me. Prompt All me. right. Uh, I will prompt you, sir. So you, again, you were in Australia. Uh, you right. mentioned a show, um, at least is old enough, mm-hmm. uh, which was I'm not familiar of. So give me 10 shows that, as an American, I may not be aware of in Australia. I mean, these can be childhood shows you grew up watching, things you're watching now. So 10 shows that American audience may not be aware of in Australia go all right so i'm french originally and only been in australia for the last decade so i don't really know the australian kid shows but there's one called around the band one Uh, there's one in france uh called per castor two uh there's uh Gosh, the names escape me now. I'm going to say... This is where the game gets fun. It should be an easy question. Yeah, but but when you're on the clock, you're uh, like, my brain. My brain. Um, c'est pas sorcier. Three. Um, Les Simpsons. Four. Four. Perfect. Um, Les Minicums. Five. Five. Uh, Jonah. Six. Six. Summer Heights High. Seven. Uh, I want to say Kim and Ken, but I know that's incorrect. It's fine. Eight. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bonne Nuit, Nounours. Nine. Nine. And... Uh, Something, something about a show. Ten. Um, yeah, that was in fact the list. I didn't make up. Of ten times. I mean, you could have made all of them up. We don't know. Other than I think I recognize the Simpsons in there somewhere. Maybe, maybe. Hey, Sumkey jumped in and said Darby and Joan and Brokenwood. So I don't know what that means. Potentially, potentially. All right, so Liam, so the way the game works, since I prompted you, you want to prompt Chris, and then Chris will do his list, and he will prompt me to finish the circle. So give li- uh, give Chris his list of 10, or his 10-thing prompt, please. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, 10 things you wouldn't do at a hospital. Uh, die. One. Uh, not pay the bill. Two. Uh, sneak in. Three. Uh, crash a dinner party. Four. Uh, have a wedding. Five. Host a reception. Six. 
Uh, take a random field trip with uh, my wife. Seven. Uh, I wouldn't go do improv comedy there. Eight. Probably not going to go steal any of the fancy outfits. Nine. And uh, let's see, last one. Uh, I'm not going to go door-to-door sales in a hospital. Ten. That wasn't. You're like really one. good at this. Yeah. You clearly have practice. <laughs> so some geek uh, qualified that Darby and Joan and Brooklyn are both Australian-based television shows. All right. I believe it. Come on. So, Chris, you will now prompt me for my list, please. All right. I'm going to stick with kind of the Action 12 cinema kind of feel. Okay. So give me 10 improvised weapons used in movies. Um, wow. Uh, oh, vehicles. One. Uh, uh, Mechanic-style tools. Two. Other people's body parts. Three. Sure. Bowling balls. Four. Dartboards. Five. Mugs of ale. Six. Uh, arrows without tips. Seven. Bows without strings. Eight. Teeth. Nine. My mind. Ten. Ten. Yay. That was, in fact, Beautiful. a list well of done. ten things. All right, so now we're going to move into the segment of the show called Used Books. This is usually the longest section of the show, not always, but uh, generally the idea here is that we're going to take a look at a campaign that one of us played in. Maybe we ran as a game master. And the idea is that we're going to look for lessons learned, maybe something we tried that worked really well and we've since then tried to incorporate in other games. Maybe it's something that we tried and it failed spectacularly and we either have avoided it or we learned a lesson and now we're trying to apply those lessons to future games. So, Liam, you are the guest tonight. Do you have a campaign, excuse me, a campaign that you'd like to talk about tonight? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a game that I was running. It was D&D. Uh, And it was getting a little bit stale. And so I figured I'd throw in kind of a one-shot type thing uh, where I told the team, you know, essentially this is going to happen. You're going to be whisked away to some foreign land. We're going to play two, three sessions there. It'll be fun. And then I'll magically bring you back to this one. Uh, It'll be canon, but realistically it's not going to affect the main story that we're playing with um and so i put together something a bit nasty for them uh i put something that there was a moral conundrum that they there was no right answer uh Mm. and there was all bad answers uh it just depended it really it was really dependent on which one you thought was less bad um The premise of it was that this village looked absolutely beautiful and perfect and everyone was happy. Uh, And it was run by a council of five families that had put together this village. Um, There was a shrine in the very center of the village uh, and no one, it was like an old house and no one was allowed to, to go in it. And it was actually the sixth family that helped uh, build this village, but they essentially uh, sacrificed themselves, so gave themselves up praying to a benevolent goddess uh, because they were in a very harsh land and they prayed for the blessing. And they kind of gave so much of themselves that this goddess kind of brought them up to heaven, if you will, and kind of made saints out of them. Uh, and 
slowly the characters start realizing that maybe not all is as it seems when they bump into one of the family members that's just like they're all insane they're all insane this isn't going well uh eventually they find out that uh the goddess is actually more of a demon type figure and that essentially uh the demon type figure says if you people uh decide on one family to sacrifice to me i'll bring i'll bring everything you want and you'll have a thriving community and you won't lack of anything uh but i will take the parents and the child that's left will be in eternal agony for as long as this village prospers this child is going to suffer uh and then, that's not good that's not a that's good, not good. it's no. it's not good uh, but the final bit is that if this child stops suffering, pretty much all the buildup of happiness that you guys got to enjoy uh, is just going to come crashing down and this village is entirely buggered. Uh, and so all of a sudden, uh, they kind of went through it. They tried to figure out what they could do. They realized out of the entirety of the village, only the heads of the families of the five remaining families kind of knew what was going on. And so it was a whole question of, do we sacrifice all the innocents in the village to kind of bring justice to this little girl, uh, knowing that her parents are already gone and everything, or do we just let it carry on? Because at the end of the day, it's bad. Do we just out the family, the heads of the families and kind of, leave the whole village to have a chaotic kind of revolution and figure it out amongst themselves. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. And I think once they kind of put all the pieces together, there was maybe a good 30, 45 minutes of like semi in semi out of character conversation slash arguing of like, what is the better way to do this? Um, and yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. They they chose for justice for the kid. They went in. Uh, they tried to rescue the kid. Uh, I did even twist twist the knife in the wound a little bit by saying like, um, well, I didn't say, but I implied heavily that uh, this ritual is happening. Uh, one way to kind of break the ritual because they hadn't thought about how they could save her. Like maybe you could just put her out of her misery and that uh -huh. would bring an end to, and gosh, yeah. I really, I, and I, I, I was very proud of myself because I didn't, at no point did I push anything. I just implied enough. And then I just sat back and waited yeah. for them to be like, yeah. So the first thing I want to say there is, is I personally love, types of games where there are no good answers like those are often mm -hmm. the types of stories if i'm telling like a long-term campaign i enjoy those sorts of like there is no good answer you're taking the best of the worst possible or the you know, the best of the worst possible options but i would also say this is a great example of why lines and veils and other safety tools are very important for games because i could see some people being very uncomfortable with that type of game and specifically a, a child Absolutely. and ch child danger but if everyone's on board for it go for it but 
just mm. kind of reemphasize that we here at the RPC Academy support session zeros and lines and veils and all that kind of stuff. You know, everybody take a drink uh, to make That's sure that okay. everyone is up for those types of games. And I know, Chris, you have played in some Shadow mm-hmm. of the Demon Lord games. Mm-hmm. And as he was talking about this, I'm like, that sounds like something maybe Chris has either ran or played in. So do you have anything, not necessarily like kids and torture and curses, but those sorts of like, there is no good op- option here type of game? Yeah. I ran one real similar years ago. It was D&D. And basically the players found a village. Everything is paradise there. Everybody's happy. There's no fighting. There's plenty of food. This village never gets raided. I mean, it's, it's too good to be true. Well, long story short, through several game sessions, they find out that they're not actually even on the surface anymore. They're in another little dimension a demon has slowly pulling people into his little portal. He provides them paradise, but in exchange, he's slowly eating their souls. So their souls will end. And his ultimate goal was to use all these souls to become powerful enough to overthrow all the gods. The big dilemma was all the gods are constantly fighting on the surface for control. So there's constantly wars going on. He wants to end all those wars. But to do that, he has to literally end the souls of X amount of people. So then they can't go on to the afterlife. So the players had to deal with what's, you know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. the Thanos thing of the greater good. Right. You know, and my players chose to go, oh, you're doing well, sir. (laughs) High five. (laughs) We're going to go back to the surface. If you need more people, let us know. We'll bring them to you. And I was like, whoa, whoa. That's kind of, I mean, it's kind of rough, but, you know. But I, I like those dilemmas because, you know, I described it very clearly as a demon, not some celestial being. Yeah. So he wasn't telling them the truth of, oh, I'm going to overthrow the gods and create a nice world. Like I kind of based him on Darth Sidious or Emperor Palpatine of, yeah, he's going to control things, but it's going to be with an iron fist. Right, right. Hmm. Was the idea. So okay. I, I, I love those games. You, you can't be surprised. Like I guess when you run a game like this, you can't. Like, you're giving the players a choice, and you can't just be like, oh, wait, what are you guys doing? And I've had, I have had GMs that are just like, oh, well, like, change your alignments and blah, 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 and, like, really putting heavy consequences that kind of hurt the players just because they chose the wrong solution. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that's, if you're going to run a game like that, you just got to be like, because... What I found in the game I I ran is that the game was becoming a bit stale. By the time we were done with those three sessions, there had been like heaps of character growth. Everyone was like, this is the kind of group we are. This is the kind of characters we play. Uh, If we are presented with hardcore situations, this is what we'll choose. Uh, And it really brought new life to, to that game. Like we kept on playing with everyone just being a bit more sure of who they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it I think it was really good. But going back on the lines and veils and session zeros, that was where I failed in this game and it had no consequences. I checked in afterwards with everyone and everyone was okay with it. Right. But I'll admit that the session zero for that was very light mm-hmm. given what I was planning. Uh, and yeah, that that's definitely my regret on that one. 
So I would is there say a drinking game we're playing that yes. I'm not aware of. Oh, we, yes. we, we, because we mentioned the session zero so often as an integral part of a successful campaign, it has become a joke that anytime we say session zero, ding, everyone takes a drink. Yeah, this water is going to go straight to my head. Yeah, I'm only <laughs> drinking water, so I'll be okay. If you're drinking something a little bit uh, hoppier, you may want to uh, you know pace yourself. Oh, yeah, right in the middle of a work day, you know it. <laughs> So, but, I, but that's something I talk about talk about a lot in my how to be a DM sort of like mm-hmm. guides and thoughts. Is there was a time when I would prep situations with what I thought was a clear preferred outcome, and mm-hmm. when I would present them to the player, if they didn't do what I thought they should do, it would throw me for a loop, and I wouldn't necessarily force them into the avenue that I expected them to take. But if they didn't take it, I didn't know how to respond. And I now advise not to do that. My 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 advice is to prep problems, not solutions. As you mm-hmm. were saying, Liam, like if I'm going to present them with a problem of this is what's happening, I don't expect them to do any particular thing or in anything. In fact, they may be like, you know what? This has been going on without us. That's between y'all. We're just going to leave. That has to be a, a possible option for me as a DM that they may just decide to piece out. So I'm not going to present a problem that has any sort of preferred solution. My goal is to present an option that is compelling that they want to get involved, but they're going to have to manage that on their own, similar to what you know Chris's party did as well. Mm-hmm. So I truly, really enjoy presenting those types of problems. But again, everyone needs to be on board. Everyone needs to be comfortable so that you can do so in a fun way. It also reminds me, I don't know, are either of you watching Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus? I am not. Uh, no. It's... Great. If you love Star Trek, it's one of the best Star Trek shows I have like ever seen. It is such a great throwback to the original series. And there's an episode of that show, which is kind of similar. There's this planet that's really far advanced. They don't really have wars. They don't have they, they can cure diseases that other planets can't. And the Captain Pike ends up going there. And there's this like chosen one child. And, and it seems like for the first half of the episode, spoilers for this episode of Star Trek Exchange the World, that they're like um, a chosen prophesied king. And like every so often a new child, because this, this child is like super smart and like they're an inventor, they're a creator, they're a philosopher. Turns out they're sacrificed. That's what this child is. But in doing this sacrifice, it allows this community's planet to continue to stay in the state of enlightenment, very similar to what, you know, uh, Liam was laid out. Now, they're not endlessly tortured. They are sacrificed. They expire from the mortal realm, and they have, like, 20 years of, of good life on the planet, and the new child is is chosen. Um, and so you see how Christopher Pike and this crew of the Enterprise deal with the, what do we do? This is a planet that is doing great the entire planet is prospering they're advanced more than most other planets but they only do that hinged on the fact that they sacrifice one child every x many years what do you do uh so if you think that you would enjoy that type of storytelling or that type of dilemma that episode hits it hard uh and it's affecting like it it makes you wonder like what would you do because again there is no right answer like okay yeah we're, we're trading one life for potentially thousands of lives, but is that our choice to make? So it's, you know, it's not always an easy or fun 
choice to explore, but I think it tells you a lot about yourself. And I do think games are a good avenue because no one's really going to get hurt. It's all in our collective imagination, but you can learn some, you can learn some things about yourself when you play those types of games. And I think that's why I enjoy them. Um, Sure. So having played through that, did it change anything? You you mentioned the session that shall not be named again. Um, You know, do you do a different type of that now because of that game or if you were going to do a game similar would you do it differently now any any sort of lessons learned going forward because of that game good or bad yeah no absolutely uh after i played this one and like i said i got i got lucky everything went well but um obviously more session zeros um but after after I wrote and played this one, I actually wrote a series of it. Uh, I wrote like I think another three uh, situations that were kind of you can't win, but you can't lose either. It's just depending on how far you want to go into it. Uh, and I really I really enjoyed writing them. I really enjoy the idea of using tropes that uh, that are just that. They're tropes. I mean, we just saw... It's not like I made up this concept, you know? Like, all of us have had some interaction with that concept. And I think writing something that's a bit tropey is good. Mm-hmm. Like, you just need to make it interesting. You just need to really bring it to the players in a fun way. Uh, and tropes aren't bad like trying to be over the top creative and write something that your players have never seen before uh, which is i think what i was trying to do prior to that session uh it's just really hard it's really taxing and if it doesn't work uh it just doesn't make for a fun game and so i think i really learned just if you know something and you know it well and you can think of a fun way to twist it or make it applicable to the characters in your story, then that's fine. Yeah. I says a lot. Execution matters. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come up with the most interesting, unique storyline. You just got to tell it well. You know, think about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's not... It's a pretty common... You know, call to adventure. Like they, like Lucas didn't do anything truly in, innovative other than like the technology to tell the story. He told a very simple story in a very compelling way. And mm-hmm. that's what I try to do in my games. Like I'm not trying to invent a story that someone's going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to create a situation where they have so much fun playing it. They don't really realize that they're playing through a story they've read before. And yeah, yeah execution matters. Yeah. And the Star Wars nerd in me has to correct you. Lucas didn't tell his stories well. He hired other people oh. to tell the Star Wars stories well. True, true, true. Because the the prequels are the ones he told. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't uh, in our house. Actually, I think we did eventually go back and show the, those to the kids, but I waited till they were old enough so they would also not like them. But, uh, <laughs> but for, for many years, I but we said they didn't exist. Like we would say, there's yeah. only three Star Wars movies, and there's new three new ones coming out. When they, they saw the new ones, but we didn't. The prequels didn't exist for a very long for for a long time. They didn't exist in my house. But, but the prequels are a great example of the opposite of what you just said. They're actually a really good story told poorly. Poorly. Yeah. Because Episode One, I mean. I've said this many times. Uh, what what evil genius to lay siege to your own planet to capture control of the Senate? 
Like that is a very evil genius plan. But then you had to throw in, you know, Jar Jar and the, yeah, <laughs> all the other stuff. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can get sidetracked on that for an hour. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, every now and then we throw things out to the audience. So either someone who's watching now or someone who might be listening in the future when this goes to YouTube and onto the audio only. Um, I do really like these sort of morally gray stories where there are no good solutions. So if you have played in a game similar, if you've ran a game similar, I'd love to hear from you as well. You know, you can email the show, the RPG Academy at gmail.com, or you could comment on these episodes as they're posted on Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, or just the website itself, the RPGacademy.com. So lay out what the scenario was, either as the one as the GM or if you were the player, and you know, tell us what what choices did you make and and how did you feel about it afterwards? I, I would really like to get into that. Uh, but with that, we're going to move on. So we're going to move into our second improv game. This is Where Have My Fingers Been? So in this game, we're going to once again take turns prompting each another uh, to have a short scene between two or more. If you're feeling froggy, you want to bring in a third uh, characters in a situation. Now, we're not like creating a scene that already exists. So you're not going to say you're Neo in the Matrix um, unless you want to do that. But you're, we're creating a new scene kind of we're making it up on our own. So it's not, you know, you're Hamlet. It's, uh, you know, you could be the character of Hamlet, but you're at a mall opening type of a thing. All right. So, Liam, again, you're the guest. Would you like to go first in terms of being prompted to give your scene or would you like to prompt Chris or I to give our scene? Keep in mind that we have to sing the song before we do our scene. It's required contractually. New York Tater will flip tables if we don't. So do you want to go first in terms of giving the scene prompt or playing it out? Uh, this time I'll, I'll, I'll give the prompt. Uh, I've got I've got one. So. Okay. so would you want me to do you want to prompt me or do you want to prompt Chris? Let's go with you, Michael. Let's see. Let's see how you do with this one. All right. So here uh, we go. So we're again. I got to sing the song first. So where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? All right. So what's my prompt? Uh, your prompt are a tap dancer and an Irish dancer uh, having a dance off. Oh wow. So uh, could you could you lower the camera or sorry could you raise the camera just a little bit a little bit more a little bit more perfect all right so in my scene you cannot see the people's feet nice how do you do that practice that's amazing I've never seen anything like that in my life oh I know I know watch this oh my god that was amazing oh I know and that's where my fingers have been. Yay. <laughs> that was so bad. Okay. That was great. So, Chris, I will now prompt you. We'll finish the circle. You'll prompt Liam. But, of course, you know you have to sing the song. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are the Foley artists providing the audio for the dance-off between the tap dancer and the Irish folk dancer when nothing is actually happening on screen. Gotcha. All right. Uh, we're going to need some tinfoil cat litter, cardboard box, and some duct tape. All right. What's a cat litter for? Well, last time you made a mess on the floor, so that's for you. <laughs> crunch, 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 crunch. Yay, we did it. Well, we've worked for 20 minutes. Time for our union break. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my fingers have been. Yay, I thought you were making a murder box for a second there. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now, so Chris, you will prompt Liam. So Liam, you must sing the song, please. Well, where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? Uh, you are giving uh, a tour in uh, Australia. 
Well, good day, mates. Hello, people. Um, so today we're gonna go around and look at. That is a terrible Australian accent. You'd think I'd be better at it by now. Um, let's go and look around at all the deadly animals in Australia. On your left. Oh my god! What the is that? Yep, that's right. That's a drop bear. They're like koalas, but they drop on your head and suck out your brains. Oh my god, they're terrible! Yup, don't stand. No, no, to your left, to your. Ah! And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay. Yeah, someone used to tell me there's a way to get into an Australian. You say, rise up lights, but it sounds like you're saying razor blades in Australian. Razor blades. Razor blades. <laughs> Uh, that's how you, there's a way to like say a phrase that will kind of get you to the Australian, not a real one, but of course it's a terrible American version. So yes. rise up lights. All right. So we're going to finish up tonight with cryptozoology. And this is where we take a look at a monster, usually from D and D, but not always. Uh, we talk about ways that maybe we have used this monster in the past. Some, we might brainstorm ways that we could use this monster in the future. Uh, Liam, once again, you're the guest tonight. Did you bring a monster for us to talk about? I sure did. I sure did. Uh, tonight, I am bringing to you the one, the only, the Rust Monster. The Rust Monster. So I have the 5th edition Monster Manual. This is on page 262. Uh, so the Rust Monster is a medium monstrosity unaligned. It is a challenge rating of one and a half. Uh, it has iron scent, so the Rust Monster can pinpoint by scent the location of ferrous metal within 30 feet of it. It has an ability called Rust Metal. Any non-magical weapon made of metal that hits the Rust Monster corrodes. After dealing damage, the weapon takes a permanent and cumulative negative one penalty to damage rolls. If this penalty drops to negative five, the weapon is destroyed. Non-magical ammunition made of metal hits the Rust Monster is destroyed after dealing its damage. In addition, it has a bite and an antenna, antenna, antennae. Uh, ability as well. So I I think of the Rust Monster as a very classic old school D&D, like, you know, basic edition, BXCM, Beckney, or whatever those versions are, um, of a thing that you put against your players when they get a little too uh, big for their britches. So I'll start with you, Chris. Have you ever played with or used a Rust Monster in your game? I'm, I'm sure I have. Um I actually used the Rust Monster as inspiration for a different monster once. Um, I ran them through, it was a one-shot at conventions using Dungeon World, and it was a, a gem monster who couldn't eat anything other than gems, was completely blind, but had an incredible sense of smell. The idea was they were looking for a ruby the size of their fist. So the idea was they could follow the gem monster, because it was a maze, and we mm -hmm. were running out of time, so I'm like, here you go. Follow the the gem monster. Typical player fashion, they immediately stabbed it. And I'm like, but you rolled to know what it is, and it doesn't attack you. It, it just smells gems. And they're like, yeah, but that seems like a trap. I'm like, hmm, okay. Paranoid well, players. Yeah, so it, it worked out where pretty much the next room they went to was where the final room was. Yeah. But... You know, I clearly were... cannot choose the trap in front of you. It, um, yeah. it basically becomes like a truffle pig sort of a situation. Like you want to try to use it to help mm -hmm. you find the thing that you can't find. Yeah, that was the idea. Yeah. But, you know, again, players being players, they just stabbed it thinking it was a trap. And I'm like, well, the whole thing is kind of a trap. It's kind of what a dungeon is. Right. So yes. 
Yeah. The trap was knowing that you would kill this creature. Yeah. All right. So we'll circle back to you, Liam. Since you brought this to the table, I assume you have some experience as a DM or a player. Uh, can you share with us a, a particular interaction you've had or used with a monster like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the experience I've had and then passed on to other players. Um, to me, instead of using it or having it used against me as for when the characters become too big for their britches, they were actually put to me as a, this is what you're in for. Uh, and it was very early days when I started playing D&D. Uh, and when I faced that monster, like literally after the third session, uh, just noticing that my armor was just corroding away and my weapons were just, and I, I was so happy. I was just like, I've got this armor on. I've got like, like I'm not untouchable. It's early levels, but you know, I feel really good about this build. And all of a sudden this tiny little thing that looks like the way it was described. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to go and stab it and be done with it. And all of a sudden, all your stuff just starts crumbling away. And then the subsequent consequences of that we want, but then got to go find new weapons, got to find new armor. Uh, and one thing that I like about the 5th Ed version is uh, something that's very unusual for 5th edition is giving negative ones stuff it's usually advantage disadvantage mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot less granular than previous editions so having something that gives you minus ones and then when you get to minus five it's destroyed uh or even the idea i remember back in the days like picking up your arrows was a thing you did yeah uh, now it seems like with fifth ed we've kind of gotten a bit lazier on that uh and but the idea of like all your arrows just disintegrate, they do damage, but then mm. you cannot utilize them afterwards. Uh, that was just all really cool. And so I kept passing that experience on to all new players. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, it's good fun. I, I, I know I have used one before as a DM in like a mine situation, like an ab abandoned iron mine. So like several of these had, had moved into the location and it's just a monster they encountered. So you have to be worried about that. Uh, I kind of consistently, my goal here is to try to find a way to use a monster in a, in a non obvious way. Maybe even like, kind of like to Chris's point, like a truffle pig where you want to try to find a rust monster and use it for your benefit in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be part of a heist. Like you want to break into a vault and so you try to capture a rust monster, take it to a vault so you can destroy it from the outside so that you can get Smart. inside. Uh, but the first thing that hit me tonight would be, and this is probably a cruel thing to do to the players, but sort of like a reverse heist where the players are hired to take out like this large den of rust monster creatures. So they go find like a druid and hire them the druid trains them how to use non-metal weapons. And then you have this whole scene where all the players like disrobe. They take off their magic armor. They take away their magic sword. They put everything in like this chest so it will be protected as they go in to fight the rust monsters. They're successful, but when they come back, all their stuff's gone. Like mm -hmm. the whole thing was just a setup by this druid to take all their stuff from them. So then they have to like track down this druid who 
organize this whole thing and get their stuff back. So I'm not a cruel DM, so I wouldn't make them go without it for a long time. Maybe it's like a one session sort of thing, but that might be kind of a fun sort of like, oh, gotcha. At the very end of a session, you're like, all right, you clear out the rust monsters. You're very successful. You get paid your, you know, a hundred gold ahead or whatever the case may be. You go to collect your stuff and it seems weird. It's like the lock on it's broken. As you open it, you find it empty. Mm-hmm. End of session, picked up there next week type of a thing. Nice. All right. So, Chris, any other thoughts on uh, ways you could use a rust monster or similar in the future? This popped in my head, and I don't, I don't know fifth edition that well, but in first edition, you used to have the reincarnate spell, mm-hmm. where you rolled on a chart, and it would tell you what you're reincarnated as. Mm-hmm. You could play around with that and go, you know what? If you roll really poorly, you come back as a rust monster. Now your <laughs> party has to deal with how do they interact with the PC who now will eat their equipment <laughs> yeah yeah i don't actually i'm not familiar if that spell is in fifth edition i, I know in older editions they were all sentient races though like i don't mm-hmm. think you came back as a fruit fly like it was like you know a satyr or an elf or a dwarf yeah, or a javelin but there's nothing to stop you as a dm to say no rust monsters on the list uh, a tarask is on the list an umber hulk is on the list yeah. uh and to see how things go from there hmm. looks a, like we got ourselves a bunch of raiders yeah. whoa yeah, it's the Rook and Rasp crew. Hey, guys. Hey, hello. Uh, there's Thanks for jumping in. Yeah. It's yeah. Indiana Jones and the last raid something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> All right. So uh, what about you, Liam? So we're, we're circling back around to um, ways that we could use a rust monster, maybe less obvious ways that we could use a rust monster in a game. So, Liam, any other thoughts on how you might use a rust monster in the future? Hmm. Less obvious. I don't know. When I thought about it, to me, I really liked the idea that because I used the Royce monster as kind of a, this is a lesson to you not mm-hmm. to rely on your stuff. And kind of if I had players at like level two or three deal with that, I'd love to bring it back uh, when they hit like level 12. And, you know, by then they've got magical items and everything, but send them into a cave and it's like a hive of them. Mm-hmm. And there's like hundreds of them, which for them, you know, a few well-placed fireballs will do the trick. But just to see the paranoia in their eyes, just remembering back to their level two days <laughs> and how bad it was for them, and like not realizing that this isn't a threat, but all of a sudden being like, oh, no, oh, no, it's happening again. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not an evil DM either, but I, d- I do like... I, I do like to roll dice for no reason and mm-hmm. then look at my players and just wa- watch them freak. Right. I'm just, that just kind go, of hmm. interesting yeah. when you just write something down. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, oh, carry on. Sorry. I, don't mind me. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was your armor class again? It, does, it doesn't matter. I just need to know what the number was. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I got some advice once that I actually thought was really good DM advice that if you really want to make your players hate an NPC, give them a minor inconvenience. Just just have that NPC be a minor nuisance. Like you're trying to get across town and there's a parade mm-hmm. in honor of this NPC and you can't, you have to wait half an hour. They, they close the bridge. You, they close the castle for this person. This person got there before you. They sought an audience with the king or the magistrate or whatever. And now no new uh, petitions will be heard for the rest of the day. You got to come back tomorrow. Like in the grand scheme of a game, that's nothing. 
but it will piss your players off and make <laughs> them hate that person. And I think rust monsters can kind of work the same way. You know, to a third, fourth, fifth level fighter, a negative one to their attack roll is probably not that significant. But it's going to piss them off that they have to remember negative one every time they roll until they replace this weapon or whatever the Absolutely. case may be. So it, it can be fun in that way. You're not really like nerfing them. You're not really harming them long term. But it's going to be enough to really kind of aggravate them. And I think that could be fun as long as, again, it doesn't drag on so long. That could be a, a fun couple encounters until or couples like sessions until they get it replaced or re-up the magic or something. Yeah. Um, I, I also like the idea of giving them like a pet rust monster. Like uh, one of my favorite games I ran was Dark Discovery. Uh, one of the characters adopted a baby owl bear, <laughs> and they absolutely loved having this baby owl bear. And I had long term plans for how it was going to evolve. We never got there, but it was just a really fun part of the game. So you could have like a little baby rust monster that is like half the players are like i can't believe you kept that thing like you we have to we have to make sure it doesn't get into our stuff it's a constant nuisance but it's just that it's like a cute nuisance just like having a real animal i have a dog and a cat and they drive me bananas with this like constantly getting into the garbage or you know jumping on my lap and trying to eat my food at the dinner table but i love them so i put up with it so maybe you could have like a pet little cute rust monster that's just like god darn it i lost another suit of armor shucks you know but they're just so darn <laughs> yeah. cute you can't like kill it but then there's the one character who wants to yeah um i, so gave, what- I gave one of my players a um a baby mimic mm. uh which was really fun like it was a um i saw this post i think on twitter or reddit or whichever one it was with the idea that Mimic replicates by, uh, because they're usually a chest, one of the coins in there is actually a baby Mimic. Oh, okay. Uh, and so one of the players went and looted this chest, and somehow the Mimic that was the chest didn't respond, didn't react, let it loot it, and they, out of the coins that they got out of it, uh, one of them was actually a baby Mimic, and then when they went to check their coins all the coins were gone. There was just a singular coin. And then when they put the pouch on the table, uh, the coin was gone. And then when they went to pick up the, the pouch, the pouch now had teeth. <laughs> and it was it was this thing that was trying to replicate whatever was around it and eating it. And then they had to train it into looking into whatever they wanted without eating all their shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, fun. I- yeah, I do. I like that. And actually, um, I've done it a few times, like on Twitter, there's been these like, you know, five word D&D prompts. And I'm like, baby m- mimic wants its mama. And so you have players who just who aren't going to kill the mimic, but they're going to try to take it back to its parent and all the shenanigans that you might get involved there. So thank you for bringing the monster to the table. Uh, we have, you know, we do have a few people in chat hanging out with us right now from uh, Rook and Rasp. Thank you so much for joining us. We're about to move into the last section of the show, and that's our audience Q&A. And this is where anyone who's watching who has a question they'd like to ask us, dials the time. So if you're here and you're interested, generally these should be related to like role-playing games, but they don't have to be. But we reserve the right not to answer them if we think they're inappropriate or too personal or just, we just don't have good answers. Uh, but we know there's a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for any questions to pop in, we're going to go around the table one more time and everyone give your socials and do some quick plugs if you have anything worth plugging. I'll start with you, Liam. Once again, where can people find you on the interwebs? Where would you want them to go if they want to check out your stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so as I said, my name is Liam. 
Uh, I run a Twitch channel called A Geek of One's Own, where I like to run or do interviews or represent uh, somewhat unheard of or upcoming uh, TTRPGs. Uh, it's really fun. I usually bring the creators of the games on board uh, because I think it's really great to to have people be passionate about what they do and what they made. Uh, last week, we had Michael with Action 12 Cinema. And if I was to plug anything, it'll be Action 12 Cinema because it was a really fun time. And you should definitely go follow that Kickstarter, which I believe is at the end of the month. Yep. Uh, I just so, yeah, do the link in chat now. So if you want to go <laughs> click the notify me, it's it's in chat now. You can do so. Uh, but Liam, thank you for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. You again, I appreciate you having us on your channel to help promote Action Film Cinema. Uh, so happy to return the favor and have you on here, Chris. Where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Uh, most people can find me on uh, either our Discord channel or uh, Twitter, Burlu underscore Chris. Uh, just doing the Dragonlance show. We're doing that. Uh, trying to do that every other Thursday. If everything works out, we'll have our second session tomorrow. See how that works out. Um, I've been feeling a little under the weather, so if I still feel bad, I might pause it for a couple weeks to feel better. Um, otherwise, Redemption did wrap up our podcast, but we're going to switch it to a stream sometime in March, and we're still going to be streaming it, so we're going to still be telling some stories. But we're going to do some fun stuff with that. I think we're going to try to do a little little audience interaction, maybe have some guests on. We'll see. Who so knows you have a Twitch, uh, Twitch channel set up for that? Uh, I'm sure Kaylee does. Don't ask me okay. what it is because I don't know what it is. I would assume it's like twitch.tv slash redemption, redemption pod. But when we get an official word of that, yeah, we'll put yeah, it in yeah. links to make it easy I, for everybody. I think we're going to change the, the name from redemption to something like, for example, Tales from the Crowlet's Fang or something like that. Uh, mostly because if people search on Twitch for redemption, you're probably going to find 500 churches before you'll find us. <laughs> I, I did run into that, like looking for redemption once before. There's a lot of faith-based podcasts that are right. uh, redemption. So we're, we're trying to find an easier way for people to find us. Fantastic. Uh, so as for myself, of course, you can find me at the RPG Academy. Almost anything I do can be found there. Since Liam was nice enough to plug Action 12 Cinema for me, again, it's in the links in the chat now, uh, I will quickly plug a new podcast that I am a part of. It's for a re, uh, volunteer organization that I am part of. It's called Healthy Minds Alliance. It's part of Health 360. Uh, I'm what's called an AmeriCorps service member, which means I'm a. it's a volunteer program that is funded by the U.S. government. Um, and I essentially work, but they don't want us to use that term. I volunteer at a location and then I get a stipend. So it's not a paycheck, though it comes every two weeks and it's based on how many hours I work or volunteer. Uh, but one of the things I'm doing for this organization is creating a podcast. So we have finalized the format. I've done some interviews. It's going to be a short form interview once a week with a different AmeriCorps service member that works within the Health 360 organization and just talking about the things that we do. Uh, like I teach a class called Youth Mental Health First Aid. So we talk a little bit about, about that program, about some of the trains we've done. Uh, we talk about all the various host sites that we support. So like these are uh, organizations, crisis call centers, hospitals. So every week you're going to hear a short story about one person who is volunteering through AmeriCorps and what they are doing in the communities that they serve. I'm very excited about it. It's been a very fun process to quote, kind of become a professional podcaster because this is like a professional organization and I'm 
working to help get that together. Our goal is to launch in March. So we're about a month away from those episodes coming out. It'll be called the Healthy Minds Alliance podcast or HMA pod, I think is where it's going to be all the places. And uh, yeah, I'm just doing short form interviews with some really interesting people who are doing some very cool service oriented things in their local communities. I'm very proud of it. And I hope people will check it out. Uh, So with that, I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, I said, awesome. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, no, very cool. So uh, we didn't have any official questions come in. So we will ask the one that we always ask. And again, we still have people watching. If you want to throw a question, now's the time. Uh, So Liam, so imagine you're being turned into an action figure. So not literally your body being metamorphed into one, but they're going to make an action figure based on Liam. What are the three accessories that will come with your action figure? Uh, I think there'll be a um, non-licensed PS5 controller. <laughs> okay. Uh, there'll probably be a uh, cheap microphone. Uh, <laughs> to and then my third one is probably going to be a stick on tattoo just like a, a little sticker that you can choose wherever you can, uh, you want to put it nice that, that could be dangerous but fun yes awesome all right well i think that's going to do it again no one threw any questions in chat which is totally fine it happens sometimes we got a few people still lurking thank you for jumping in looks like it's a lot of the rook and rass people who also had us on for action felton i appreciate that uh liam has a work thing because again it's Thursday a.m. his side. Um, so he had a little short break. We, we don't want to monopolize this time. Uh, so thank you, Liam, for being here. I really appreciate getting to know you. Best of luck with your channel. And uh, I think with that, we're going to sign off as we always do by saying, remember, folks, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.